Moving on to the reading and proclaiming of God's word. We are now back in the Gospel of John. We just finished Leviticus throughout the summer. It was pretty awesome. Now we're coming back into the Gospel of John where we left off last spring. And this is basically the second half of the Gospel. So it was a great place to to leave off and now begin. Jesus has just finished and concluded his public ministry. And, And right now we are in his last week of life. And so the next five chapters before his arrest are basically his farewell address to his disciples. What does he want them to remember? What is most important? And he starts all of that with a stunning demonstration of his service and love for them and for all believers. In fact, these next 20 verses basically sum up the next five chapters. So pay careful attention as I read from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your word, and we simply ask that you would give us your spirit, that we might hear it and know how it applies to our lives, and then go and do it. Help us to live out what you command, what you tell us. Help us to receive your love, and help us to spread that love wherever we go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, thankfully, we have a, a decent amount of new people here uh, with us, and many, many of you new people don't know that I was in a bad car accident in 2015. Others of you who've been here for a while have heard a lot about that over the years, but one thing I haven't shared uh, are my first thoughts after the accident. 
So I was in a multi-car crash on Highway 280 going north up to our old Palo Alto office during the morning commute. And I woke up in the back seat of someone's car. And I looked out the window and I saw my car completely totaled on the highway. And I thought, uh-oh. And I wasn't really in pain. I was in shock and I didn't know it. I had a broken nose, a broken rib. My right ear was half sliced off. I had massive gouges in my head, a severe concussion, and bleeding in my brain. These injuries were serious enough for me to be taken to the surgical ICU at Stanford. I didn't know any of this at the time. So the ambulance comes and the EMT guys pull me out and they stand me up on Highway 280. And I remember looking around and you know, the sun is rising, it's Los Altos Hills, these you know, beautiful scenery and there's you know, stopped traffic all around me. And they start asking me questions, right? They want to know, you know, how is this guy doing? And I aced all the questions, right? Bob Crossland, January 13th, 2015. I probably gave my social security number. I certainly gave my phone number and my wife's phone number, right? I was able to answer all of their questions easily. And I was like, I got this. With, with a cocky smirk, I literally promise you, I literally thought to myself, I'll be back at work tomorrow. The EMTs were like, we're taking you to the ER. And my thinking was, okay, I get it, it's protocol, right? We've created this massive traffic jam, I've gotta go to the hospital after something like that. I'll submit for protocol's sake. But if I had had a choice, I probably would have refused their help. My disposition that morning was similar to Peter's disposition here in this passage. It's all of our dispositions when it comes to being washed and served by Jesus. We can recoil from being served when it suggests that we have a need or deficiency or weakness we're uncomfortable with. And there's two general problems with that. It makes us resistant to really being loved, and it makes us resistant to really loving others. And that's why God became human. Because until we receive his love, the love that can make us even recoil, like Peter, we will not be whole or clean, and we will not be able to love others the way we want to or hope to. And so here we see this basic design for discipleship with Jesus. He washes us so we can get dirty. We're washed to get dirty. Two points. And so first, washed. In these first verses, one through three, the author John makes two things clear. First, Jesus knew it was his time. He was about to be crucified. His public ministry was over. Judas was about to betray him. But second, his heavenly father was pleased. The kingdom was his. All that was left to do was to die. But here in these final hours of, of Jesus' earthly life, instead of taking it easy, we see him leaning in towards his disciples in a radical way. He shows them a kind of love no one had ever seen, that he hadn't shown them yet up to this point. The way John says it, having loved his own, he loved them to the end, or completely. John is presenting Jesus as supremely self-assured and self-aware. And one of the reasons that's important for us to get is because Jesus is about to do something that would suggest a very menial and low self-image. He and his disciples were at an evening meal, 
and it would have been a, a low-lying table on the ground. Everyone would be lying on mats on their left side with their feet radiating out from the table. John describes in verses 4 and 5 how Jesus took off his outer layer of clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, putting on the uniform of the lowest house slave. And with a basin of water and a towel wrapped around him, he began washing his disciples' feet one by one. Note that Jesus was wiping their feet with the towel that was wrapped around him. I just realized that this week. This towel is attached to him, and he's washing their feet with it. That's disgusting. Imagine having this dirty, disgusting towel wrapped around you that you're using to wash dude's feet. That's awful. Some people are cool with feet. Not me. Feet are disgusting. In my opinion, everyone should wear clothes closed-toed shoes at all times, inside buildings, outside buildings, even in bed. <laughs> but feet in first century Israel were far more disgusting, right? Everyone wore sandals, and almost all the roads were dirt. Any kind of land transportation took animals, right? So there's animal waste on the streets. People threw out their human waste onto the streets, there was, of course, no sewage system or sanitation, so feet picked up really nasty, disgusting things. And people back then understood this, so to come indoors, one had to clean their feet off. It was as common and necessary as brushing teeth is to us. But because it was a disgusting job, either you cleaned your own feet or someone of lower status did. Washing feet was considered such a terrible job in Jesus' time that slaves in Israel who were Jewish were exempt from having to wash anyone's feet. It was too beneath them, even if they were a slave. This was worse than slaves' work. We have no known example in the ancient world of a social superior washing a social inferior's feet. It's not just radical, it's revolutionary. Another one of the shocking ways Jesus transgressed cultural and social norms. But why did he do it? To help the disciples understand the meaning of the cross. Verses 6 and 7. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. After what? Well, after his crucifixion and resurrection. The disciples were supposed to understand that Jesus dying on the cross was the same kind of intentional, unmerited, undeserved, humble service that washing their feet was. Jesus going to the cross was not an accident. It was an intentional act of self-giving love on God's part to make us clean. The cross is hard to understand, so Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Sadly, there's no modern example or illustration that can truly express the power of this scene for our culture. But a small slice of that could be that for, for anyone who has a house cleaner, someone who comes once a week or so to, to clean your home, imagine one random day you show up at their door, their home, and you have all these cleaning supplies, vacuums, buckets, mops, gloves, etc., and they greet you at the door with this strange look. And you smile at them and you tell them you're there to clean their home as a gift. So step aside and let, let you get to work. That might make them feel uncomfortable, no? It made Peter feel uncomfortable. 
Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Typical brash Peter, right? He loves to say things like this. This will never happen to you. I will never deny you. You shall never wash my feet. And the way he says it is funny. It's an emphatic way of saying never. It's literally never unto eternity. A junior high way of saying it might be, you shall never wash my feet. Never infinity. Something about this feels terribly wrong to Peter. There's the the force of gravity that makes water flow downhill. Well, there's also social gravity, where service flows up to the more socially important and powerful. In the same way that water naturally collects at lower elevations, perks and privileges naturally collect higher up the social chain. For service to flow down to the less important and less powerful is messing with the force of gravity. It's an upside-down world. It doesn't fit, and it's kind of shameful and embarrassing. Service flows up. We sense that social gravity. We look up and aspire to be people who have more comfort, more power, more status, more respect. People who reserve more service, they give it. What does it say about a social superior who washes his inferior's feet? It says they don't deserve their status. So Peter is trying to protect Jesus and keep the world from turning upside down. But what Jesus has been trying to say and demonstrate his whole ministry and what he will show on the cross is that service and love flow down from God to creation. That's the original design, and Jesus is restoring it. The fundamental nature of God is to give, not get. Love and service is meant to flow down, not up. Our social gravity is wrong, and the cross is the proof. This is so much the heart of the gospel that when Peter exclaims that Jesus will never, ever wash him, Jesus answered Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Did you get that? The only way to be with Jesus is to first let him serve you. The only way to have a saving, deep relationship with God is to let him serve you and love you. That sounds crazy. right? You, you earn your way, you work your way into relationships. You work your way up and in. That's how social gravity flows. Jesus is king, and the way you take part in the king's reign is by fighting for him, supporting him, giving him good counsel, contributing to his rule and side in some way. You make yourself valuable. You prove your worth. It can't be as easy and simple as letting him serve you and wash your feet. No, that order is completely wrong. We know. First, go and serve. Then you will be washed and saved. But Jesus first washes and saves, and then sends out his people to serve in his name. This is the meaning of the cross. The king of the universe submitting to a torturous death to serve and love even his enemies. This overturns everything and sets gravity right. 
Now, for Peter, it wasn't just getting the social gravity wrong. It's embarrassing for a superior to handle your feet, right? The parts of you that smell and are dirty, the parts of you that are not presentable, the parts of you you want no one to see, least of all Jesus. Jesus says, give those to me. I wash that. I'll take care of that. Peter was thinking, well, th- this is on me, right? He, he has to figure out how to get clean. Or maybe he didn't think he needed washing. But pride and shame act as a one-two punch that keeps Jesus away, or at least that we try to keep Jesus away with. We can't get clean ourselves. No matter how much we try and want to, Jesus has to wash away our sin, all of it. And until we understand and submit to that, we won't really know him or enjoy him. What are the ways you are trying to get clean yourself? The things you are trying to take care of yourself? The things we do and say and think? The things we cover up to make us feel like we're okay? Are they working? In all those ways you are trying to justify yourself, create your own virtue, socially compete with others. It can be anything meant for good that we twist, twist, like parenting or physical fitness or pastoring a church, whatever. The things we try to use to tell ourselves we're okay, whether or not we know it, those are the ways we are trying to keep Jesus from washing us. Those are the ways you are missing out on Jesus and you are fighting his work. What is it for you? We know that Peter doesn't quite get this yet. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you all are clean. Jesus is in charge of washing us, not us. And that's great news, because if we aren't covering up our sin and shame, we are consumed with it and fear it will never be washed. The foot washing is enough, Jesus is saying, because the cross is enough. It completely cleanses you forever. How dare we say to God, thanks for the cross, but there's something else here in my life that needs special attention. The cross is the super permanent cleanse. It makes you infinity clean. Letting Jesus serve you and love you means taking him at his word when he tells you you're clean, you're forgiven and made new. And this can be so hard to believe for Christians as they honestly look at their lives. Sin remains. Our faith often seems inconsistent and shallow. But look at this scene. All of these men will abandon Jesus. Peter will deny him three times. And of course, Judas will betray him. Judas was here. Jesus knew he would betray him, and he washed his feet anyway. Imagine that kind of love and that sadness mingled together as Jesus washed Judas' feet. This is the love and power of the cross. Jesus shows consistent and deep love to people whose love is inconsistent and shallow in return. Is your love and faithfulness inconsistent and shallow? Then you're in the right place. And you're a great candidate for being washed by Jesus. How can you get washed by Jesus? Ask him. 
Bring your whole self to him, including especially your shameful, ugly, filthy parts. He won't turn you away. And he commanded us to be washed in his name. We call it baptism. Baptism is the physical sign of his washing. And as we look to him in faith, this baptism is the true, full cleansing he promises. And if you've been baptized, then remembering your baptism is a way of re-experiencing Jesus' cleansing. When Martin Luther, the great reformer, faced temptation, he would repeat to himself, I am baptized, meaning I'm washed, I am clean, I am united to Jesus. You know, we we just got finished going through the book of Leviticus, as I said, and, and so much of that book deals with getting clean to be in God's presence, making atonement, right, and and receiving forgiveness. Imagine what it would mean to a faithful Jew in the first century. Jesus washes you once, and you're clean for all time, totally and completely, forever infinity. Everything Leviticus is about is pointing to this, because Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for us on the cross. He permanently cleanses his people so they can forever enjoy God's presence and blessing. The only way for that to happen is for you to let Jesus wash and serve you. And he washes us so that we might get dirty. We're washed to get dirty. Second point. When we realize we've been served in this way, and social gravity has been set right, we can go and serve others likewise. Verses 12 to 14, Jesus said, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus is charging his disciples to live out a different social gravity, the true social gravity. You will serve and care for each other regardless of status or power. And those with official positions of authority or leadership will particularly look to serving others. As opposed to working to climb the social ladder and accrue status and privilege and comfort and self-sufficiency, his disciples are called to get dirty. Washing feet is dirty business, and you have to actually wear that filthy towel. It's uncomfortable. Jesus calls all of his people to get dirty in this way and to reverse social gravity. Why? Two reasons were given here. First, this is how the world will hear about Jesus and take him seriously. This is how Christian mission happens. Verse 16, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And verse 20, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Jesus sends his people out to represent him. And Jesus is the suffering servant who went to the cross out of love for humanity. He showed everyone dignity and refused to abide by divisive social structures. He healed, he served, he forgave, he washed feet. And if Christians come along proclaiming Jesus while at the same time wanting to protect or acquire status and comfort and privileges, then the true message won't be heard. You know, actually, the the health and wealth preachers are more consistent here. They distort the gospel and say, well, Jesus wants to make you rich and powerful. And they say, look at me. 
right? They have their McMansions and their cars and their fancy vacations. At least they're being consistent. The messenger is fitting the message. But if we proclaim a crucified Lord and that the nature of God is to give and not get and that social gravity actually flows down, we have to live that way. We have to model that. Often, though, we live like health and wealth Christians, clinging tightly to stuff and money and titles and time and reputation. Nowhere in Scripture is ambition or pursuit of excellence denigrated. But if our aspirations are more money, more leisure, more status, more power, we're going in the opposite direction of Jesus, putting ourselves above our master. So maybe for us this means doing something intentional, like signing up to volunteer at our Teach Me tutoring program. But this call impacts every nook and cranny of life, how we use money, what we do with our positions at work, how we engage coworkers and neighbors, how we treat people the world, said, the world says are below us, getting involved in dirty, sticky situations with people who are going to take a lot of time and energy. That's foot washing. And it's not just individually, it's us collectively. The way for our neighbors and co-workers to get this message of Jesus is to see it lived out in community, our community. And communities generally want to regulate membership to people who add to it in some way, people who bring strength and value. But that's not how we as a church are supposed to look at each other. Instead of believing that we're only as strong as our weakest link, right, which is general folk wisdom, our church community is only as strong and beautiful as the dignity and love it shows its least dignified member. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. That's the measure of Jesus in our midst, the love we show to the least lovable. We are only as strong as the love we show to the weakest link. And if you're looking around, you're wondering, hmm, who is the weakest link here? You're not getting it. You are the weakest link, right? I'm the weakest link. We all are far more acquainted with our own weaknesses and failings than anyone else's. The messengers have to fit the message. But remember the order. The only way this will happen is if we realize Jesus has already washed us. We are already clean. We have experienced the reversal of this social gravity in Jesus serving and loving us. That then enables us to model that reversal in our different spheres of life. Now, that's, that's the first reason to get dirty, for the sake of mission, bringing Jesus to others. The second reason is, it's the path of blessing. Verse 17, Jesus says to his disciples, if you know these things... Blessed are you if you do them. And let me just switch that word order a little bit. If you know these things, do them, and you will be blessed. Or to take a little liberty, imagine Jesus saying to us, if you know these things, why don't you do them? You're missing out on blessing. If you know these things, then do them. Wash one another's feet. Why don't we more? Well, yes, we don't like getting dirty, we want comfort and status, we fear isolation and marginalization, all of those things, but we also fail to see the blessing in washing each other's feet. And the blessing is knowing Jesus more. The Gospel of John is about abundant life. And what is abundant life? 
Jesus in the Gospel of John says, abundant life is knowing Jesus Christ and the Father who sent him. Abundant life is for Jesus to live in you and you to abide in him. Real conscious union with Jesus. Blessed abundant life right now is knowing Jesus more powerfully and deeply in every moment. Where does that happen? It doesn't happen in the places you are living in fear, trying to hold on to or acquire more power and privilege. It doesn't happen in places of resentment and defensiveness and getting back at others. It doesn't happen in places of willful sin. It happens in places where you are giving yourself away, not to build a resume or virtue signal, but simply because that's where Jesus is. That's where you'll find him. Jesus is downwardly mobile. His service and love flow downward. That's where we'll find him. When we do that in faith, we meet him. We abide in him, and he lives in us. The more of ourselves we give away in faithful response to this word, the more Jesus we get. And this doesn't mean be a doormat, inviting people to walk all over you. In his earthly ministry, Jesus did not blindly serve everyone's every need to the point of his own exhaustion and breakdown. He said no all the time and seemed pretty strategic in who he helped. But Jesus wasn't about himself. He was about doing his Father's will. He didn't try to establish his kingdom on earth. He went to the cross. So if we make our service about us, turning us into a hero or a victim, it's of no avail. If we make it about Jesus meeting him at the cross, the one who has already washed us, we will be blessed. We will get more of him. Why would you want to know Jesus and abide in him? Because he's the one who washes you clean. He's the one who loves you through your shallow and inconsistent love. He's the one willing to go to the depths of torture and hell to rescue you. He's the one who stoops to serve you rather than demanding you serve him. He wants you in his kingdom and to share with you his rule and his work. Our dog, George, I know I talk a lot about him. He's a real character. And like a lot of dogs, he doesn't like getting a bath. We don't like giving him one, right? Because we have to kind of ambush him and trick him into the bathroom. And then Aaron and the girls give him a bath. And by the end, there is hair and water everywhere, all over themselves, all over the bathroom. It's filthy. And then I have to come in and pick him up out of the bathtub and carry him straight outside to get him dried off. Like I said, it's dirty, filthy work. But we do it so we can enjoy him. Snuggle with him. Be close to him. We don't want to snuggle with a smelly, dirty dog. And the thing is, what George wants most is to be with us, to be up on the couch with us when we're all on the couch. He wants to be in the mix, in the family. He wants the snuggles. And that happens most when he's been washed. This is so we can be together with him. Jesus washes us so we can be united to him. And being washed might be scary and uncomfortable, but it leads to what we most want, whether we know it or not, to be enveloped by the love of God. This never giving up, never turning back, always and forever love. And we can move ever deeper into that love as we go out to live for a story greater than ourselves. 
serving and washing others in Jesus' name. That's the blessed, abundant life. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word, and Jesus, we are grateful that you wash our feet by dying on the cross. We are washed in your blood. We are cleansed, and you are making us holy and blameless and without stain that we might be presented to you as a beautiful, radiant bride. Help us to see that. Help us to experience uh, the, the freedom of that cleansing, your love, your service, and let it propel us outward in your name to love and serve others in a similar way. Make us a community that cares about the least, that cares about the lowest, and shows a different way of being a family. Do this among us by the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.